feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman, woman. Sasha Saide. And Jesus is non-binary, binary, binary. Jacob Gamble. Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on TreeCR Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. Another reminder, God is a trans woman. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Querying the Air. My name is Sasha Sidek and my pronoun is she because I will never be her. <laughs> you will be with me and my guest Kay today from 3 to 4 p.m. to discuss about our hometown, Singapore. But before that, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I also would like to extend my respect to our trans elders past and present. So my guest Kay is a 28-year-old trans guy who's no stranger to change. He started transitioning right before he quit his job moved to Melbourne and began studying to be a counsellor. In his spare time, he enjoys cooking and reading and has recently taken up knitting. If all goes well, he might have a beanie right before the weather turns true cold. Welcome, Kay. Hi, Sasha. Really glad to be here. It's so nice to have someone from Singapore. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think I've, I, I have many Singaporean um, people that come on my, on my show. Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's really nice because, you know, we definitely have something in common or someone yeah. in common. So um, sure. um, can you tell a bit about who Kay is? Sure. Um, to be honest, I think that I'm quite a boring person. But <laughs> I think that what you've read in the bio is pretty much who I am now. And I guess what I could say is that I, I know that I've been trans or at least gender non-conforming for a very long time, ever since I was a little child. One of my earliest memories of being trans is when I was four or five. I was definitely in kindergarten. And I climbed into my father's cupboard. So in, in Singapore, we don't call them closets. We call them cupboards. And my parents <laughs> have these. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a different meaning over here, closet. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So my parents have these beautiful cupboards that go from floor to ceiling. And they're, they're wood. And they were constructed when they moved into the place that they live in. So my father has got these cupboards. And he puts his work pants, like his slacks, office pants, on the bottom sort of rung. And he would hang them up on hangers. And what I would do as a child would be to squat down, push the pants aside and create a little space for myself in the middle. And then I'll get in. And then I'll sit in there with a book. Or, you know, if I wanted a dark little crawl space, I would shut the doors and pretend that it was nighttime. Okay. Yeah. And that was one thing that I really remembered because... 
when looking at my father's work pants and the rest of his work shirts, and at the time he had this fantastic collection of ties. Right. So I remember very clearly thinking, I am going to grow up and I'm going to be just like dad. And I'm going to wear office shirts and pants and ties like this as well. So can I, you, you dream of looking like Mr. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's not go there. <laughs> All right, sorry to dis... Uh, uh, yeah, carry on. Okay, so I used to dream that I would grow up to be exactly like my father. But in reality, I'm a lot more like my mother in the sense that mm. I'm built like her. You know, I'm only a couple of centimeters taller than she is, and we both have the same body shape. So the way that I describe myself is that I'm a teapot. I'm short and stout. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, do you have a big family? No, actually. It's just my parents and it's me. So I'm an only child. And I think that's that's one of the things that I really... Something in common. Oh, <laughs> both of us. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you felt the same way as I did because one of the things that I really grappled with growing up as a teenager was that I didn't want to dis well, disappoint my parents mm. because I'm the only child. And I was just thinking, I'm not going to follow the normal, with air quotes, normal trajectory yeah. of growing up, getting married, and in, in the Singaporean context, getting an HDB, yeah. having kids. The five Cs. Yeah. The, well, not maybe not the five Cs. I don't need a condo. I may not need a car, especially in Singapore where public transport is super reliable. You, mu you must have changed since I left. <laughs> yeah. The expectation. Yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. It definitely has. So initially I was thinking, oh no, I can't satisfy any of what they might want for mm. me, you know, because their idea of success or their idea of happiness for their child was definitely going to be something like that, mm. right? Maybe not an HDB, like a housing development board flat. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, getting growing up, having a spouse, getting married, having a family. But in my own way, I think now, despite being trans and queer, mm. they have realized that I have been able to become a happy person mm. and a relatively successful one as well. Yeah, because I think that we all make our own paths and it's just a matter of trying to figure out are we living this life for ourselves or is it for somebody else? And if it really is for ourselves, how can we help the other important people in our lives come to reconcile that fact? Yeah, true. And does your parents are aware of uh, queer and trans people? Well, yes, I think much more so in the last few months, mm -hmm. because initially my plan was this. I was thinking to myself that all along I knew I wanted to do a master's degree and I thought, OK, I'll move overseas for a master's degree and then I'll begin transitioning either right before or when I begin the thing. And because a master's degree is two years, mm -hmm. at the end of two years, it'll be a nice little break during which I don't have to hunt for jobs or look for, you know, people to employ me. Yeah. So at which point in time I can either go back to them fully transformed or I can continue living wherever I am. And that was the worst case scenario because I was thinking if they don't want me anymore, then that's fine because I will have built a new life for myself. Sure. But very fortunately for me, I came out to them right at the beginning of this year, 1st January, I think. Mm -hmm. And then like first, a, first January. Yeah, like oh, a New wow. Year's okay. present, right? <laughs> yeah. And so what I told them was that all my life, I had always wanted to be a boy. Mm. 
And they weren't really surprised because when I was 18, I told them that I was non-binary. But at the time, it was because I wasn't quite sure of what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be. And what I was thinking was that I didn't really have very many male role models who are my age, right? right? So all I was doing was looking at the classmates in school and thinking, my God, why would I want to be anything like you? (laughs) Yeah. So my parents are aware and they are supportive. So they were very concerned about me making so many changes in life Mm. within such a short span of time. And they were quite upset that I planned everything in case of the worst contingency, which was that they would disown me. But they were able to get their heads around it quite quickly, I think with the added time pressure, because I was really leaving Singapore. Mm. So it was either accept your child now or say goodbye to him forever. Mm-hmm. Well, with me, it would be a different story because, you know, um, the only child in the family, uh, mm. sorry, the only grandson mm. in the family, first grandson too. Oh, so wow. that was difficult, you know, being Asian. Very difficult. Very difficult. And they just couldn't accept the fact that I was different. Mm. And, you know, and... I'm pretty sure um, a lot of my aunts and uncles can see that I was different. I was very feminine. And then it's just my mom was in denial. Yeah, she was so in in denial. So, you know, I cut the story short, like waiting for my O-level result and I got grounded. So I just left home and never looked back. Okay. But having said that, me and my mom, we has... um, we become best friends now. We're friends now. It took a while. She just... Mm. And then she did told me, like, you know, at first I didn't know why you want to be a woman. Yeah. Um, because why you want to waste your life? You have this future <laughs> ahead of you. Yeah. And um, she was wanting the best for me. Mm. And, and then when, you know, at that time, late... Well, I'm not at all, but late <laughs> 90s, uh, when... Um, I couldn't enroll myself to uh, Polytechnic because I was already transitioning. At that time, there was a discrimination um, where um, a, a, a person who are transitioning while they are at school, they will give three warnings at the same time too. Oh. And um, a few of my girlfriends that I get to know later, they had to quit um, um, uh, university because of their transitioning. That's terrible. I know, right? Yeah. That was terrible. So that's why I couldn't even enroll. So... Uh, I work hard and um, I was uh, discovering myself and my gender identity. Mm. And then um, I found out that um, Raffles LaSalle Institute um, is something that I really want. I, I love fashion. So um, instead of doing journalism, I do fashion instead. And they accepted me. And I was the first trans woman. Wow, that's great. Yeah, openly trans woman on mm. um, Raffles Society Institute. So, yeah. So um, it took a while. And then from that onward, my mom would see that, oh, I'm doing something with my life. Mm. And I have all these people around me who are very influential. I don't know if you know my mother, my my drag mother is Amy Tashiana. Oh, yeah. yeah she, I have heard of her, yeah. So we, she took me under her wing and we lived together for a very long time. She helped me out with... Um, legal hormones and mm. and and everything from from makeup tips to social uh, <laughs> and everything so yeah she's my mother mm. yeah so from that onwards my mom um see that i'm doing something with my life and yeah. then she accepted for who i am now i think there's there's <laughs> times she did ask me that randomly like uh-huh. don't you ever want to change oh. like 
bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you love the way you are now, living the life that you are now. That's it. And you don't I, want to I, change. I told my mom, like, if I change, do you think I'm going to be happy? Ask mm. yourself that before you ask me for that. Yeah. So, you know, I think, yeah, I think that hit her heart. She, she has stopped asking me that question. Okay. It's just out of nowhere. She will ask me and just like pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know how to live as a man because I've never lived as a man because in school, I was a very feminine mm. um, person. Well, and that it, could not have been easy. Yeah. And I've never lived as a gay man. Mm. I've, I've never been in like gay clubs or oh. I only been to gay clubs after I transition. Right. I only have gay friends when I transition. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it was always trans women and women. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have considered yourself a boy before then, I guess? I, I, I've never seen myself as a boy. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I go to school with all these... I don't wear backpack. I wear, uh, like... Um, um, Sling bag? Yeah, like a tote bag. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that time this Chantel Thomas was so in trend. So... <laughs> So everybody, all the women will be wearing Chantel Thomas You've bag got or JPG bag. <laughs> so um, I, I need to have one. And then yeah. we have makeup on a little bit. Whoa. And then my teacher was like, um, are you wearing any makeup? I said, no. He took that tissue and just scrubbed it on my skin. And oh, that shit. blusher came off. And he said, you're going downstairs. Oh, Detention. Man. Okay. I know. And then after like, after two hours, I put back on. <laughs> 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 okay, but in all fairness, girls are not meant to wear makeup in school either. I know, but mm. you know, um, we are like the rebellious kids. I, I, ah. To be honest, I never get bullied in school. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, because I was with the it girls. So they mm. always like, they, they always look after me. Mm. Like if someone like, trying to tease me, they yeah. will attack them. <laughs> so that's why. So, you know, all these it girls, they like to glam up, yeah. like wearing a bit of makeup here and there. You know, like in the movies, they mm. are them. Oh, yeah. okay. So I'm just lucky I was picked by them and mm. to be uh, part of their entourage. Mm. Um, so I didn't get picked uh, by all these uh, mean boys. Okay. And I've seen some um, other kids were being picked mm. on, but, you know, I wasn't that strong enough to back them up. Yeah. So I was just looking after myself. <laughs> so, but if, if it's now, yes, I will fight for them. Mm. It, it will be a different story. Yeah. 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 So how's, um, uh, how was school for you? How was school? Yeah. Okay. So to be honest, before puberty from, you know, primary one to primary six, that's yeah. primary school here as well. I didn't think that there was anything very different, mm -mm. you know, because I was in a girl's school and we were all the same. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't really feel the need to be any different because I didn't see a difference. Yeah. There were no boys around. I was in an all-girls school. So it was just my tomboyishness or I suppose boyhood yeah. was really something that was kind of acceptable because what do children in Singapore do? <laughs> we study, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the main occupation. Mm -hmm. So you study first and then everything. Everything else is secondary. So primary school passed by quite okay. Mm -hmm. Then when I went into secondary school, which is the ages between 13 and 16, from 13 to 16, I realized that there was a, a pretty big difference. I realized straight away that I was a lot more masculine mm. than all the other girls. And in thinking so, I was thinking, okay, um, is there something wrong with me or is there something wrong with them? Mm -mm. Then when I came to realize that there wasn't anything wrong with me or them, what I thought was, all right, 
then how do I continue? What would I like to be? And I think that in secondary school, it wasn't too bad okay. in the sense that I really didn't realize that I wanted to be a boy very badly, right. you know, because I thought that there were simply two ends of the spectrum of girlhood, masculinity mm-hmm. and femininity. Mm-hmm. And there were a few other butch girls in school as well. So we all clustered on that end of the spectrum. There were maybe two butch girls per year. So, you know, it's number smaller than 10 in the entire school. And then on the other end, everybody else was just feminine, mm. right? Like varying degrees of femininity being performed and all that. So I thought it was normal until I went into the equivalent of high school, junior college, right? Mm. And in Singapore, that begins when you're 17. Yeah. So when I went in, I had my first school experience with boys in the classroom. And all of a sudden, I was realizing, oh, they are girls and boys. There's not just all of us. Right. Yeah. So if I had gone to a co-ed school with both girls and boys in secondary school, maybe I would have realized sooner. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. You know, and it was a very strange kind of time for me because I was still thinking, do I want to be one of the girls, more masculine, but I didn't quite fit in with them. And then I thought, okay, do I want to be one of the boys? But I couldn't be one of them either because they saw me as a girl. So it was just a lot of trying to grapple with being in between and not really knowing where I lay. Mm. Yeah. So that was school for me. But things changed, I think, when I went into university, because even though I did really want to come out as non-binary at the time, I don't think the system in Singapore was really set up for this, yeah. right? So I think we're about 10 years apart. Mm. So back then, yeah, it wasn't quite the same. So in yeah. my first semester in university, I did email the professors in my course and said, oh, by the way, my name is this. I do prefer the neutral pronoun they. And for the first semester, I stuck very religiously to the... Um, to the gender-neutral bathroom, mm. to the one unisex stall that's uh, wheelchair-accessible. Right. Right. So that happened. But after a while, I realized that it was just really difficult to come out to people because nobody knew what it was. Mm. So I thought, okay, never mind. Let's just not come out. And because I didn't actually have very many plans to transition, mm-hmm. I knew all along that... If I did transition, I would want to do it when I was financially independent. And you can't do that when you're in university, right? You know, still living with your parents, still living off your parents. Yeah. 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 But I did okay in university. And in the end, by the time I finished, I knew that I wanted to do a master's degree. Mm. So I was just thinking, okay, I'll stop there and then I'll wait and I'll work and then I'll begin. Yeah. So this is the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I I can relate to that because, you know, in my time, at a time when I was transitioning, you know, um, we were told to be very feminine, to be to be taking hormones. If not, mm. your own peers are going to make fun of you. You know, there was like that you need to uh, keep up with their beauty standards. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it's just binary woman man that's it there's no in between so trans women were considered women so Mm. you know and trans men trans men at the time it wasn't very much visible Mm. you know they they were there some of them were our (laughs) friends but they weren't very visible or you know to talk about their experiences it's always the trans women and then when I came here and trying to learn about 
what's non-binary is, mm. you know, and gender diverse. And I had to learn because I'm not advocate. <laughs> <laughs> and then my generation and still refuse to accept the to the changes. Oh. I said, like, you don't have to accept. You just have to, you know, be respectful. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, you want to be accepted by the society, right? When you are fighting about equality, mm. they are doing the same. So yeah. why not give it to them? That's so true. I always keep telling my peers, um, you need to be respectful. You don't have to, you know, especially, same with religion. You don't have to, understand or accept their religion but you have to be respectful of That's other right. people's religions it's the same shit and, um, <laughs> and it's tough some people are just tough to break in you know yeah. and I just have to keep reminding them just be kind be respectful full stop you yeah. know different people have you know this is how they want to to uh, people see them mm. um, yeah so I'm glad that this is changing in Singapore mm. um, because yeah, with the people that uh, come and visit here, especially the trans women, they still still in that box. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm tired of educating you like, bitch, mm. that's Google. Just fucking search <laughs> it, right? If you don't understand, read. Yeah. Even TikTok is educational <laughs> for you too. If you're always on TikTok, go and get those those things and Google it yeah. and put on a search engine. All you need to do is watch one TikTok video and the algorithm is going to give you that's more. That's it, right? right? So can't run away from that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. So um, when we come back, um, we were going to talk more about the recent reappeal of 377A, the pink dot. Um, yeah, you've been listening to Coring the Air at 3CR. Was Unholy by Sam Smith and Tranny with the Grammy Kim Petras. All right, we're uh, back with Kay and myself, Sasha, both of us, origin from Singapore, who just, uh, Kay just recently recited to um, Melbourne. Good choice. <laughs> okay, so, um, um, Kay, tell me a little bit about uh, this Pink Dot Singapore, the uh, the recent reappeal of um, the um, uh, 377. Yeah, so um, please. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So what you began with is Pink Dot. And I think that quite a few people in Singapore know about Pink Dot because it I is... I think around the world knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think the That's... world knows yeah. about Pink Dot because it is our answer to a pride parade. Right. Mm. right. So for Pink Dot, what happened was that they began in order to increase visibility and awareness of gay people, right, by standing around in Honglin Park and wearing pink to signify that they are in support of the gay community. When we say gay, is it like uh, men and men? I think that it began as that. Yeah. Because but of course, from... it is the LGBTQ community now. Right. And... 
The reason that I mentioned Hong Lim Park for people who aren't aware is that in Singapore we don't have the legal right to protest, uh, so you correct. can <laughs> yes you can be arrested for having an illegal assembly of one. Mm-hmm. By which I mean, if you stand in a public location, probably somewhere politically significant, like on the steps of Parliament or you know. Supreme Court, and you hold up a sign, even something as innocuous as a smiley face, you can actually be arrested. Mm-hmm. Well, the police will be nice; they'll tell you, "Please move along first." And if you refuse to move along, then that's when shit goes down. And by the way, Singapore, we do not have freedom of speech. I think that's debatable, <laughs> but I will say that in Hong Lim Park, that is where you have the right to gather. So what you have to do is submit a police. Well, you submit an application for a police permit, right. and this is very handy because there is a police post right next to Hong Lim Park. In yes. any case, so you submit your application; it gets passed through the ranks of bureaucracy, mm-hmm. and then you are permitted to gather at Hong Lim Park. Yeah. So Ping Dong has been happening for more than 10 years now. And I think that most of the, for all the years, people have been agitating against Section 377A. Mm-hmm. And Section 377A, for those who don't know, of course, is a colonial era law that was passed down by the British. Mm. So what happened was that the British wanted to prevent Men from having sex with men, yeah, and so they had this particular law. Way back in two thousand and seven, Section three seven seven was actually repealed, but three seven seven A was retained, and so that meant that you could then have oral and anal sex, but you couldn't actually have sex between men. So that was three seven seven A, and since then, I think everything has just been. <laughs> I know. I've, I've read. The, I've read the law uh, of Singapore. Mm. It's just weird. Like men and men is illegal, but woman and woman is not illegal. So it's just the, you can definitely tell who wrote this law, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I always like puzzle, and a lot of um Singaporean who actually grew up in Singapore, they don't know this law at all. Uh. Many of them, um, unless they are part of the LGBT community, right? Right. Even the straight. Probably would know, like um, you know, being um, they know that gay is uh illegal, but they didn't know like woman, woman's legal. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's just a loophole, mm. or you know, some sort of blindfold or something like yeah. that. Because I guess lesbians don't matter as much to the government, yeah, <laughs> or at least to British colonial era lawmakers. But yeah. anyway, so Section three seven seven eight has been on everybody's minds for a really long time. Very long and time. And over the past year, since two thousand and seven, there have actually been a series of appeals by members of the community. And if I'm not wrong, the very first appeal came about in two thousand and seven with a guy called Tanning Hong, and I did. Right. Meet him later on in the 2010s mm-hmm. because, very unfortunately for him, he was actually arrested, and it, the charge should have been public indecency, mm. but instead, apparently, the arresting charge was Section 377A, mm-hmm. and the government had already committed to not prosecuting anybody under Section 377A, and they had said that they wouldn't enforce it. Yeah. So it was not right for them to have arrested him under three seven seven A, right? So yeah. he launched a legal challenge, and over the years, quite a few people have done that as well. And I'm sure you've heard of some of them, mm. some of the notable. Well, not notable. They're all notable. Yes, of course. 
One of them a gay couple, Kenneth and Gary. Yes. Yep. After that, there was Brian Chong, who was from Uga Chaga. Mm-hmm. Roy Tan, who is a retired GP. And most recently, Johnson Ong, who is a DJ from Singapore as well. So, he, wait, really? <laughs> I'm not kidding. <gasps> okay. Yeah. So all these men launched these appeals. Yeah. And each time, the court, whether it be the Court of Appeals, struck it down and said that it is going to stay in place. Mm. But finally, Parliament decided that enough was enough. And they knew that with each successful, well, with each legal challenge, there was an increasing possibility that Section 377A would one day be declared unconstitutional. You know, because what's the point of keeping a law on the books if you're not going to to enforce it? Mm, 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 So mm. they decided laws should be decided should be decided upon by Parliament instead of by the courts. So as a result, Parliament decided that they had to move on it, but they had to choose to protect the sanctity of marriage, Mm -hmm. which, as you and I know, is cishet marriage. But you know what? I just... Sounds so stupid. Singapore is a very progressive country. In some respects, yes. But it's not even a religious country. (laughs) (laughs) So why is it so hard to pass all this human rights, especially for the LGBT community? I'll say we have to take things one step at a time. Why are you taking too long? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, from your time to mine, I think what has changed is that public attitudes have really changed. Yes, definitely. I mean... My time, you have no idea how many times I was thrown to jail because of being trans. Because they just assume that um, um, because your your ID will say male, and then they just assume that you are soliciting. Ah, but we're not. I just came up from Lido with my cis friends. You were just watching a movie, which, and then they just asked for my ID, and then you know the, and then they, I got thrown into the van, and Ridiculous. then st- yeah, and you know I've been in jail like maybe over thirty times. I swear to God, and this is why it's still, I still, you know, there's no apology whatsoever. Mm. You treat us like we are freaks, yeah, um, and um, and then. Yeah, until I came here, I, mm. I've learned about my self-worth. I learned about uh, trans rights. And when I go back to Singapore and some of my girlfriends was like, oh, this is part of parcel of being trans living in Singapore. You will be, you know, uh, you know, be being uh, caught and, um, and thrown to jail for overnight. I said, no, I'm not going to stand th- for this anymore. I mean, I'm a human being. Is it still the case over there now? It's not anymore. Okay. Yeah, but that was when I left, it's still going on. Right. Yeah. Okay. And there was like always the fear of going out. And then mm. when we see like uh, a van, the police van, we had to hide and run because we know what's going to happen. Mm. Mm. So it definitely have changed. Um, but that was nightmare for me yeah. and my peers, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then there's like some of our uh, trans friends from overseas, maybe like Thailand mm. or Malaysia came out to have dinner with us. And we were waiting for taxi to get get home and then the police stopped in front of us and you know what these our friends who visited from um, Thailand and Malaysia got deported because they just assumed we are solicited without any evidence oh my god I know atrocious right it was they were on holiday they were on holiday and not with air quotes no and there's no evidence of them soliciting so um, it frustrated me because I couldn't fight 
we couldn't fight for our rights there. Mm. Um, I'm not sure we can fight for our rights there. I don't know. There's trans rights still. Um, available. What do you mean? What I do mean, you mean by trans rights? But you, like I said, like um, in Singapore, the human rights uh, is uh, is they pick and choose what human <laughs> right is for them, right? Mm. So, like saying like trans right, if the police like catch you and said, oh, we caught you are soliciting, but you aren't. How do you fight that? I think that times have changed quite a bit, okay. and hopefully, it is not the case. You know that mm. trans women are simply caught and locked up because the police assume that they're soliciting. I don't yeah. think it's I don't think that's the case now. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah, because I hate that uh my peers keep saying this is part and parcel of transitioning. Like fuck that. <laughs> no, it's not part of parcel of I, this It is shouldn't me. be. It shouldn't be, right? Yeah. But it just said that uh my peers had to say that like it's part of parcel. You yeah. know, you have to you have to like like live with it. Mm. Mm, so yeah. I think things have changed a lot since then, that's especially good. because the government decided that 377A couldn't remain, Mm. you know. So at the same time that they repealed 377A, what they also did was that they gave Parliament quite a few new powers. Okay, so step one, Mm -hmm. they said that Parliament had the ability to put in place laws pertaining to marriage. Right. Step two, they they said that you cannot challenge the definition of marriage by saying that it is unconstitutional, which is what the other guys had done previously for 377A. And finally, they also said, refer to the Women's Charter for the definition of marriage. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the Women's Charter says that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it does not permit same-sex marriages. But here's the key difference. They amended the constitution to say, please refer to the Women's Charter, and that required a supermajority, two-thirds of parliament, to say yes. Mm -hmm. But the Women's Charter requires only a simple majority of 50% in order for things in it to be changed. Mm. So what the government has done is to say the door is shut now, but it doesn't mean it's going to be shut forever. It can be opened in future. So typical Singaporean, right? (laughs) It was like passive aggressive. (laughs) Okay. You say that, but I'm choosing to look on the bright side. Yeah, but but I know. But you know what? Why do we have to fight so hard? Like other part of the world already have already uh, see that we exist and we're not going anywhere. Okay. We need to be treated right. Personally, what I feel is. We need to move at a slow pace. Why? And I'm not just saying this because I don't want to put my foot in the icy cold (laughs) water or whatever. It's because I feel like we live in a society and there are many other people with views that are just as diverse as ours. And everybody has got the right to belong. If you change things too quickly, you can face a significant amount of backlash. And even if that backlash is not meant to be good, people will react that way. Yeah, but it's 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 overdue, <laughs> don't you reckon? I think it would be good if things could change. Yeah, but I know, but I'm a very pragmatic kind of guy. Okay, so like for me, I mean, it's it's been too long. Okay, I I know Singapore going to take time, but this is way too long. I didn't even <laughs> think that three seven seven a uh reappeal gonna you know gonna win. Yeah, but we did. But um, I'm just thinking about, you know, like marriage equality. What about adoptions? You know? mm. Mm. So, you know, a lot of um, our gay um, uh, couples who want to adopt, what are their rights now? 
Mm. Mm. They don't actually have the rights to adopt. But, Mm. you know, I can understand why. Because 377A was so tremendous Mm -hmm. for everybody that in the end... Did it kill any of the religious people? Did they die? No, but what I mean is it's very (laughs) tremendous for everybody. And as a result, I think that if this is so tremendous, let's not change the policy on marriage just yet because the policy on marriage is interwoven into so many institutions in Singapore. Like, for instance, not only who can get married, but this marriage then holds the key to HDB flats, which 80% of our residents live in, Mm -hmm. right? Like government housing. It holds the key to your CPF and how you're going to will that to various people after you pass. Mm -hmm. It holds the key to adoption, things like like healthcare. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, marriage has got its tendrils in so many things. It's got so many fingers in the pie. If you want to change things, I feel like in order to garner true acceptance, where people can say, yes, it should be this way, you need them to believe it. And it means you need to go at a pace that not all of us are going to be comfortable with. But why do we, as LGBT community, have to to uh, wait for these bigots to approve of how we're going to live our life. (laughs) Right? That is a good question. We already have challenges in our life. And we need money. (laughs) We need need money. We need approval. We need housing. Exactly. And and that hasn't covered even discrimination on the streets. And then we need approval from them to live our life. You know, I wish I could say, no, we don't need their approval. Mm. We are going to do exactly what we want. But to be honest, what I'm a little bit afraid of is that Singapore is going to become super polarized in the way that a lot of Western society has become, you know? I know. I mean, like, before we got marriage equality here, right, people were saying, you know, there was all sort of protests. Everybody was like, oh, this is not going to be great. You know, the, the gay people, the LGBT community going to take over. But when marriage policy got approved, not, nothing has changed. Yes. There's nothing has changed. There's a lot more people have more freedom, especially yeah. they can get married to their long-term relationship partner. They can adopt kids. They mm. can do, uh, they IBS. can share their health care, you know, yeah. all sort of things. And, and... There's not nothing much changes. There's nothing bad changed. <laughs> this is why sometimes we need to think again. Like, what will, what will these changes will affect you? Three seven seven A is just the first step. Yeah. So you know the morn, the morning after Prime Minister Lee Hsien Long made his National Day rally speech, mm-hmm. I woke up. The world was still turning. Mm-hmm. Nothing had changed, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to work, everything was the same. But fundamentally, something inside me had changed because you were just saying, yeah. you thought that 377A would never be repealed. And to be honest, in my heart of hearts, that queer teenager that I was is incredibly relieved because neither had I thought that I would yeah. ever see the day where 377A was repealed. Mm. But it has come, you know. And 
I think that this is just the first step. We need so. everybody to be on board and realize the day after 377 was formally officially repealed mm. nothing, changed. nothing changed we just need other people to realize this as well <laughs> i mean that too hopefully now they can have sex legally <laughs> yeah so yeah. i i i i'm i'm with you you know it's just that it's just frustrate me because they say singapore is a very progressive country mm. and why are we taking so long? You know, <laughs> I thought we we're going to progress to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I hate that the fact that I know, I mean, in my generation, we had to fight hard. To be honest, we didn't even fight because we can't fight. Mm. So we had to live with it. Mm. So, you know, the new generation now that I'm living here and I can see the new generation that are fighting yeah. for your rights. It, I'm fighting for you guys from here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, yeah. So... Let's hope it's going to happen soon and, yeah. you know, and everybody can live happily and be free for who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I think the system right now for everybody across the world, but especially in Singapore, yeah. is essentially that if you're independently wealthy or if you are able to fend for yourself and be rich enough, then you don't really have much of a problem. You know, because you don't need to depend on an HDB flat. You yeah. don't need to wait for HDB to tell you you're eligible for this amount of a housing loan. You can go straight away into the private property market and buy a condominium, even buy landed property if you're really loaded. Yeah. You know, I guess it's a little bit more egalitarian in places like of Melbourne course. or others. like The same here. Everywhere else, yeah. because everybody is fighting for their ability to buy a place in the entire property market. It's just in Singapore that we've got these two separate distinct markets. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Over here, we still fight. You know, I mean, I have to acknowledge my privileges here as well. And there's people who are less privileged here and I'm Mm. still fighting with them. You know, we need to be their allies because... I mean, being me, I need allies. (laughs) (laughs) So when when people who need help, we need to be their allies too. Um, So... you said you moved here recently in February. Yeah. So you were here when um, that protest happened. Oh, the, the steps of Parliament. Yeah. I wasn't there, yeah. like at Parliament. Mm. And to be honest, I think I've changed quite a bit as well. Yeah. Because if you'd spoken to me 10 years ago, I would have said, fresh out of high school and into uni, mm. a protest, let's go. But now that I'm 10 years out from that, I think to myself, what am I doing at a protest? Who am I serving? Mm. What is going to happen? What could possibly happen? And, you know, if I've got a central role in a protest, Mm. and for instance, if we're organizing a trans rally and you Mm. want me to speak, sure. You will be speaking. Um, but at if my you, trans rally. <laughs> I'm one of the founder of Trans Pride March. Oh, I see. Yeah, so okay. we did one last year. But, but you see, yeah. if we're going to go to a rally, and mm. I'm just going to be one of the faceless crowd members, then with or without me, that rally is going to proceed. Mm. And to be honest, I suppose I should say that being from Singapore and being quite thoroughly Singaporean, yeah. I am conservative at heart. Of course. And I'm just thinking, all it takes is for one protester to stumble the wrong way right into the arms of police, police to push him off, and then 
things get really ugly. Okay, I don't want to be caught up in that. All right, so you agreed with what what the Nazi was doing, and we of course not. Okay, so yeah. Hello. <laughs> no, I guess you know I can understand where you're coming from, but what I kind of understand is I've I've do two conference with Victoria Victor, uh, Victorian police this mm. year, and they said we're gonna work with you together. Oh, that's good. But from what that happened, it was a slap on my face. Like you let the Nazi march <laughs> behind you with the salute. That was because that night I had my own event mm. um, in Docklands. So I couldn't go to the protest. Mm. Um, so, right? yeah. so I thought another one, you know, hating mm. on the cops. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so I was, okay, I didn't think it's going to be that crazy. Yeah. So I'm just going to focus on my event. Mm. And when I got home, on the social media, oh my fucking god! Explosion, right? Right? Yeah. It was like a slap on my face, and yeah. then I start contacting all these police that mm. I work with. So like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And because on my event, some of them were there. The LGBT mm. police were there, um, in plain clothes, um, just to what if something that happened at my event? Oh, okay. So we want there to be like civilians, right? Um, yeah, and this happened over there. So I was like annoyed. Like yeah. that shouldn't have happened. If you want to stop the protesters, yes, mm. I totally get it. They can get rough sometimes too. Mm. You need to stop them too. You need to stop those Nazis. Yeah. You know, I think the main distinction is that if I'm not wrong, yeah. okay, prior to the Nazis being demonstratingly, yeah. well, sorry, demonstrably hateful, yeah. I think the Nazi salute wasn't actually banned in Victoria no. as a sign of hate speech. Uh, the, the, the logo is banned? Yes, the swastika, yes, yes but not but the not Nazi salute. salute yes, so correct. I think that without legislation in place, correct. people like police are caught in a really difficult situation. And I don't mean police yeah. as a whole. Yeah. I mean people. Mm. Because when you're there, when you're working, the crowd itself, it is really difficult for you to make a snap decision and say, do I tell these miserable bastards that they've got to fuck off? Mm. You know, they have to decide that. And there isn't really very much time for them to go back to their bosses and go up the chain of command and yeah. say they're doing the Nazi salute what do I do mm. because you know they are going to take a while to come back right so with legislation in place what I'm hoping is that it won't happen again no they're going to ban that now yeah. but you know what it's just so dumb that um, Germany already banned that for a very long time and now that you want to ban now you should be banned <laughs> a long time ago I think it's just that we didn't really have a good reason to because no, it do, was never because, because they were attacking Asian people. No, what I mean is yeah. there was never really a very strong, visible kind of reason. In Germany, obviously, with Nazi history, yeah. you have to ban this right away. Yeah. But I think that in Australia, there may not have been so many Nazi sympathizers so open and out in public about it, it has before. Been, um, a few, it has been a few years been going on that they were hating on trans people, um, um, Muslims, and also Asian people. That's they've not been, right, of course. Yeah, and they've been saluting in front of this family in the park. There was pictures. Wow. I know. And the government have done nothing about it. Until, Up until now? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's disgusting. A little late. <laughs> it's a little late, but you know what? All these fucking Nazis, a, a couple of the guys, you know, they are trying to trade. So they've been exposed. On, Wait, what? Say that are, again? They are trying to trade. They love 
fucking trend. Okay? <laughs> so they are doing their anti-trends demonstration and then in the bedroom they love they love oh. trans women and then all the trans women were exposing them on social media. They're How like Jesus. I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hypocrites, yeah. right? But I can understand maybe they're being pressured by their peers mm. being, you know, you, this is brothers, you know, you yeah. need to do this like you know, maybe it's just me, but mm. I always feel as though I have to try and see all sides of things. Of course. And there's a part of me that thinks, who hurt you so badly that you couldn't admit that you're attracted to trans women? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you stumble down this rabbit hole of Nazism and decide you couldn't it, declare that? You no, know, it triggered their masculinity. <laughs> you know, it's always them. It's always yeah. them. I did speak about this before, like some transphobic husbands, you know, like being transphobic um, to other trans people. But they love trans people in, you know, in behind closed doors. It's been proven. Terrible. It's been, it's been proven. And some of some gay, uh, some priests who hate on gays and they, end up, they came out <laughs> well, as gay. Didn't you? Okay. Did you hear about, um, I think a while back, yeah. a couple of Vatican priests were actually caught in a gay sex orgy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. I already told you, they are, this because it triggered them. Mm. And then they have to know, I need to cover up. <laughs> I need to do this. I need to do that. I think it's human nature. It's not just being gay. It's just mm. like other things too. I've seen with, you know, my experiences with other people, like if something triggered them, they had to do the cover up. Yes. You get what I mean? You want like, to run when they as lie. far as you can. Yeah. When yeah. they lie, they try to cover up yeah. so because it triggered them. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry that, you know, your first year you had to experience that. No, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, um, with what happened in Melbourne, usually Melbourne, we have amazing rallies. Like mm. I'm one of the co-founders of uh, Trans Pride March Melbourne. Oh, cool. That we did um, last year and Trans Awareness Week. It was, it was a beautiful rally. Mm. It was everything was positive. We had speakers, and we even passed the mic to people who wants to um, talk about their experiences as trans mm. person, and it was amazing. And before that, we even had trans pride concert at the Federation Square that oh, was wow. also hosted by me, Miss Catalina, and Rebecca Loveday, um, and all the artists are trans people. And non-binary and gender diverse, of course. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we want to give that platform for them and then maybe they can get even more work. Mm. So we wanted to do it this year, um, but we're running out of time because all of us have been so busy. <laughs> so hopefully we're going to do everything together, Trans Pride Concert and Trans Pride March Mel- uh, Melbourne um, during Trans Awareness Week. That's amazing. And when you, is that you, going to be? That's going to be something uh, sometime in November. Oh, I see. So you're going to be one of our speakers. Yeah, what have they, I signed up for? Yeah, you just did. <laughs> okay, so um, 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 what, what, what makes you want to come to Melbourne? Why didn't you choose other states or other ah, country? Yeah. Okay, this is an interesting thing. Yeah. So what I knew was that I wanted to leave Singapore, and I wanted time away from my family, time away from my job, and time in a time in a space where there were anti-discrimination laws that could protect me Mm -hmm. in case I needed it, 
you know. So what I decided was that I was going to leave and then I started looking to where to go. During my university time, I went to Toronto on a student exchange program when I was an undergrad Mm -hmm. and I really loved it there. So I applied to four different programs over there. I got accepted into two of them. But the thing is, the offer from Australian universities here came quicker. Okay. It came at the end of November last year. Right. And I just got the offers from the Canadian universities mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So I had to make a snap decision and decide, do I let go of the offer from an Australian university and wait for the Canadian university, which may or may not come? Or do I go to Australia and let go of any possibility of going to Canada. But Canada was your first choice? Yes. Okay. It, it was my initial first choice okay. because I'd studied there briefly on exchange before. Yeah. And I'd done a bunch of internships there as well with Pride Toronto. Mm-hmm. And what used to be called the Canadian Lesbian and Gay Archives, it's now called Archives with a Q for right. queer. Okay. Right, okay. So, like yeah, yeah, pretty cool. So I wanted to go there. But my family's reactions upon hearing that I'd been accepted into an Australian university, I think was what was the tipping point for me. Mm-hmm. Because after coming out, then I became a lot closer to my family. Mm-hmm. Before that, I was close already. Yeah. But it was a very curated kind of relationship where I only told them certain things. Yeah. I was still holding part of myself back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But the thing is, my parents were quite excited when I got into an Australian university because they were saying, it's not so far mm. and it's not so cold. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong. <laughs> that, one, that one part. <laughs> well, I'm not upset about it being cold. Because you don't mind the cold? Sorry? You, you don't mind the cold? No, I don't mind the cold. I love the cold. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those of us who are from Singapore, of course we like the cold. Yeah. It's better than the hot, humid Oh, trust heat. me, my family members hate the cold. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ha- the whole house will be like... Um, on A sauna. Heat- yeah, literally. That defeats the yeah. point. Okay, so... and um. So Are you happy here? Yeah, I think so. Because everything has gone really smoothly for me. Mm -hmm. Initially, I was really worried about where I was going to live. Then the people I'm living with now, they're friends of a friend back in Singapore. And then I started the course. And it turns out that 80% of my fellow course mates are actually international students as well. Mm, Yeah. Awesome. So there's quite a lot of us there. So question is, did that Toronto application approved? Yeah, I applied to <laughs> I applied to four programs. Okay, and, and they all gave got me, approved? No, only okay. two, okay. two out of the four. Yeah. So 50% success rate, not yeah. too bad, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in the end, I think, you know, you make your choices and you've got to stick by them. True. Right? Yeah. It's the same like um, when you apply um, for properties here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you apply for a few places and you think like, oh, I don't think I'm going to get it. And then... For me, all got approved. Oh, wow. Yeah, all got approved because I got a standout um, history of renting here. Okay. So, and then I get to choose which one I want. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and um, your college is near where you live? Oh, yeah. I live okay. within walking distance. Okay, good. So, it's not bad. It's a really good setup. It is. Yeah. Oh, good. Because, you know, in Singapore, we depend on public transport a lot. A lot. In Singapore, the idea is that within five minutes of your home, you can get to a bus stop. Right, yeah. on foot. Yeah. And at that bus stop, there isn't going to be just one service. There's going to be three or four. Mm-hmm. And these three or four services come every 10 to 15 minutes. And there is not much of a difference in the schedule between a weekday 
and a weekend. Yeah. You know? And of course the trains run every they run every five minutes. Yeah. That's in off peak hours. Correct. Yeah. You know? So in in Melbourne, I think that's the biggest thing that I've had to adjust to. Mm-hmm. When I look at the poll at the bus at the bus stop and I see that it really says these two times per hour, it really means these two times per hour. Correct. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, they had like um, a breakdown and mm. then you had to wait for another hour. It just doesn't come, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then there's also protests too. Mm. <laughs> so you're only here only since February. So there's a lot of you, uh, a lot of Melbourne for you to experience. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so what's the future of K? <laughs> what's the future yeah well i'm studying to be studying. a counselor yeah, yeah so i'm hoping that that's going to be my next career path mm-hmm. and i'm hoping to do that for a good number of years yeah because what i've realized about me through working and volunteering is that i usually connect with people quite easily mm, that's you know good. even when we're talking about fucking nazis yeah man, i'm thinking what have you experienced that has caused you to think and behave and act this way? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really fundamental because, in a way, you need to have compassion for the other person and you need to be able to dig a little deeper and figure out why is it that they think this way? Why is it that these thoughts then lead to these actions? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So if I can not sympathize, but if I can be... Just a tiny bit compassionate towards Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, think, I, I guess you, you're, you're a good person. Like with me, I'm an activist. I fight back. I like, <laughs> fuck off. If you, if you mess around with my people, mm. you mess around with me. That's it. I mean... I think we need people like me and like of you. Of course, definitely. We need people like you too. Because, you know... Um, we definitely need people like you. If not, it's going to be like war all the time. Um, because I think it's come from my experiences back in Singapore as well, where mm. I couldn't fight for my rights. Yeah. And then coming here, I know what I can I, I can fight for and mm. what my rights is. This is why I'm not going to tolerate it at all. I'm mm. not going to find excuses for you for being shitty to me <laughs> or my peers. Yeah. Yeah. Don't accept anything less than respect. That's it. I mean, like, you can have your opinion, you can have your belief, but... Keep it to yourself or talk to your friends. Mm. You do not have to 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 bring it in public. I agree. Right? I agree. Yeah, I, I keep telling people a lot about this. Like a lot of people have opinions, especially beauty standards, mm. uh, opinions and belief. I said like you need to keep it to yourself. Yeah. Because not every trans people wants to take hormones. Not every trans people can afford surgeries. Mm. Uh, not every trans people uh, wants to look like you. Yeah. Right? That's for certain. I feel like within the trans community, a lot of different people have different ideas of what should and what shouldn't be, mm. you know? They think that we have to sound a certain way, we have yeah. to look a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to stop that. We, <laughs> we, 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 you can have your own opinions, and yeah. but you need to keep it to yourself. Yes. Or gossip with your own friends. Yeah. Behind closed doors. Yeah. It's fine. I think that what we say in private and mm. what we say in public has to be quite different, you know, especially if you've got views yeah. that you know other people are going to be hurt by. That's it. Right? If, yeah. if, your, if your opinions and views is going to hurt someone, that's not good already. <laughs> right? So you need to stop that. So, yeah. Mm. So any last words, Kay? 
Well, I don't think so. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. It's really good and to meet a fellow to Singaporean. Alex Lee yes, for connecting us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you know Alex Lee? So this is interesting. Okay. I decided that I needed a bit of a social life beyond going to school. Right. So I googled trans mask meetup. Melbourne. So I didn't find very much. So I decided to Google trans guy social meetup Mm -hmm. and I found the website for The Shed. Mm. And then The Shed has a book club. And that's where I went and that's where I met Alex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alex, I've done um, maybe a couple work with Alex Mm -hmm. um, and um, stunning person. (laughs) Um, Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. He, uh, He did say, you're a very smart person too. <laughs> he he did talk about you really good words about oh, you. So I'm yeah, touched. and um yeah, so yeah, Alex is amazing person, amazing yeah. amazing work um as well, and um hopefully you might be in the next book <laughs> in flux. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Kay. It was been a pleasure uh, meeting you and. It's nice to have someone from my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, would love to have you back again um, someday and we talk about how you find Melbourne after <laughs> one year. <laughs> sure. It's been my pleasure, Sasha. Uh, thank you. You've been listening to Curing the Air at 3CR. And I'm going to leave you with Amon's speech at Trans Day of Visibility protests. Have a nice evening. I'm going to start off with three words and... Just after, after I say one, two, three, if you can repeat after me. These words are protect, protect, protect. One, two, three. Protect, protect, protect. I want you to protect our sister girls and our brother boys. I want you to protect our fafafine. I want you to protect all our trans siblings, our non-binaries and our gender diverse siblings. I want you to protect them all, honey. You know, we look at today and we look at ways that um, celebrate and feel empowered at the first very moment as a trans woman of colour, as a Pacifica trans woman of colour. I feel a a mixed bag of emotions uh, running through my head after what went, what we've just been through um, and coming into this week it's been a mixed bag you know, one feels happy one feels angry one feels disappointed um, and one just you know, just feels a bit rattled um, we look at the way that trans women of colour are not sitting at the table you only have to you only have to take a look around. Where are they, and why aren't they? Why aren't they sitting at our tables? Why aren't they being included in the conversations? And that's also to my uh, sister girls and brother boys. You know, community. If we're talking about community, you need to include them in the community. You need to make them feel safe. You need to make them feel wanted. That they are part of this so-called community. It bothers me that our trans women of colour still sit in the back. We we only have to look across the globe and just, you know, the the numbers and statistics of trans women of colour, of gender diverse um, identities, you know, the 
the numbers in terms of the murders. And I'm going to say that without a trigger warning because I want you to feel how, how disempowering that is for us. How disempowering that is for a whafafine in Western society to look at my sisters and siblings and non-binary across the globe and still they are being treated and they're being murdered in high numbers. Yes, shame. Shame. You know, we only have to look at here in Australia, where is the data of our, you know, of our trans siblings? You know, those that are incarcerated, those that, you know, there is, there's been nothing said about them. But they happen. The murders do happen. I look at my good friend, uh, Maya Prestario, who people kicked over a big fuss a few years ago. And still to this day, nothing's been done to elevate that pain that her family... Yes, yeah, shame. Shame. Or we look at the, 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 um, the, our, our Thai or our Asian contingent, um, what's her name, Bruno Pisano, excuse me if I've um, mislabeled or got the name wrong, where where was the justice for that, yet we let these white, white cisgendered men get away with a lot of these things that happened to our women, that's not good enough, that's not good enough for us as community, that's not us for us that we so could go Oh, you need to be sitting at our table. Well, where the fuck are they? Why the fuck aren't they sitting at our tables? Like I said, I feel a mixed bag of emotions coming in today. I'm angry, because you know why? We're not, we're, we're not done. We haven't been accounted for. And like I said, the data, where is it? Where's the data in regards to my trans siblings being murdered in prisons here or being misgendered or so forth? Where is it? Nothing. So I think we need to do a better job. I think we need to step it up. Step your pussies up. Step up. Step your cops up. You know what I'm saying, honey. Step the motherfucking up. You know, and allies, it's really great. But don't just be a word. We want you to stand for us. We want you, like I said at the beginning, to protect us. Protect, protect, protect. I don't want you to let that go from your mind. Because like I said, my siblings are murdered at a constant rate. And some of them are not even accounted for. Yeah, shame. Shame. You know, the fact that we have to fight or we have to try and get acknowledgement for a day, you know, we should be acknowledged 365 days a year, honey. You best better believe it. And those neo-Nazis that want to come for us, please. We have always existed. We are going to continue to exist in power, whether you like it or not. Let's make
make sure that we have everybody, and I'm saying everybody, at that table. Because I said, as I said, where's the statistics? There's nothing for trans women of color. There's nothing for our indigenous sister, sister girls and brother boys. I don't speak for, on behalf of them. I'm just wondering, what are we doing to help protect our siblings? So like I started at the beginning of, of, of my conversation, I'm going to end with those three words. And I want you to step your pussies and your cocks up. And I want you to elevate these words and amplify it. Protect, protect, protect. One, two, three. Again. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe.